Movies and Booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk. It is time for Movies and Booze once again. Uh, we are joined by Fanula Jones, Esther McCarthy, and Linda Coogan. Good afternoon to you all. Hi, guys. Hi. There we are. So, Esther, uh, we have the. Uh, uh, Black Panther, a sequel that nobody asked for and uh, yet another movie about restaurants that nobody asked for either. <laughs> Black Panther, a lot of people are asking for Black Panther, to be honest. I think it's probably going to be one of the biggest movies uh, of the year. But I do think your intro is telling there in that I've been kind of thinking for a little while now, why am I a bit marvelled out? Why have I got, got a mm. little bit of fatigue going on, you know? And I think as... The films delve deeper into the Marvel world. Uh, I think what might be happening is they're alienating the casual moviegoer a little bit. And I think that's a bit of a shame, actually, because I think for a good while there, um, they managed to do both. You know, they managed to have detailed with delighted fans, but also work as standalone movies in their their own right, you know. Um, But I haven't really thoroughly enjoyed one, I have to say, since Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, which I thought was an absolute hoot. Um, so, yeah, we'll be talking a little bit about that. I think that in a year where you get three Marvel movies as well, it, it does start to feel like the year that you get the movie that nobody yeah. asked for. Just even the title, Wakanda Forever. It sounds like a threat uh, uh, more than uh, <laughs> more than anything else. Uh, and the, the the menu? The menu's a laugh, actually. It's It, it features the Ray Fiennes stare. Um, which has delighted <laughs> me in movies over the years. Um, mo- most recently, I suppose, in Im Bruges, where, you know, our two lads were brilliant, of course, and, and it's great to see them back um, in, in Banshees. But like, Ray Fiennes nearly stole Im Bruges, despite only being on the phone and not on camera until almost halfway through mm. the film. I thought he was just brilliant as Harry, as that geezer. And that threatening, but he, you know, properly brought that menace and that stare into the more dramatic elements of the second half of the film as well. And here he's doing the same thing. He's a restaurateur uh, by the name of Julian, very posh, tr- tr- truly believing in his own hype. And he's got the stare and he's got some very sharp knives. And I had a lot of fun with this, I have right. to say. And so, it, it, but it's not really about, the, is it about the restaurant part of it or is this more like the, 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 the poshies out front eating the expensive dinners? I call it a kind of horror satire populated by horrible people. Um, do you know if you're ever at an event or a press trip, I don't know if this applies in other industries, but sometimes a joke on a press trip is, is, is if you're um, at, at a trip like that and you don't know who the fussy high maintenance demanding person is it's probably you (laughs) Um, so that's kind of a long running joke over the years but pretty much all of these people are that person in the in in the um, movie and Ray Fiennes has gathered them together to his island restaurant uh, for a very special menu uh, and a very special memorable night for all of them okay that sounds interesting so, yeah. Linda, uh, we were all just saying before we came on air how much we all adore sherry and how it's like the best <laughs> drink ever. Uh, and even if they're like banned beer or all the wine, at least we'd have sherry. Well, I did bring food so that you might invite me on again. <laughs> <laughs> but some people do. I mean, there's a whole kind of posh thing about sherry going on. It's not like, you know, it's not something you take out once a year to give to your granny. You see, that's what everybody's uh, expectations and assumptions about sherry is, that it's the sweet stuff that goes in your trifle or your granny takes it out at mm. Christmas.
Christmas time. And we've two different styles, completely different. And I'm not saying I'm going to convert you today, but I'm saying it's Sherry week. So try a Sherry. You're going to try two today and hopefully people listening at home will go out and try a style. There's a style for everyone, but it is absolutely an acquired taste. Right. OK. Well, we'll, we'll try to keep an open mind. Please do. No, I'll we'll try to acquire it. <laughs> no, we won't. Uh, right. So uh, Millie Bobby Brown wants to play Britney. Britney said no. Yeah, essentially. Uh, yeah. Millie Bobby Brown is on the promo trail for Enola Holmes 2, the Sherlock Holmes, she's the younger sister, Solving Crimes sequel on Netflix. Um, but she's probably best known for being one of the lead actors in Stranger Things. And she's very good in that. Um, but in an interview with Drew Barrymore, she said she'd love to play Britney. Britney. She said she kind of resonates with her, her story, that whole thing of growing up in the public eye, whatever. And I never kind of got it. But when places started, you know, like aggregating this and covering it, they are kind of similar in the face. I still think she's probably too young to play her. Mm, yeah. Um, but essentially then Britney came out on her Instagram and was like, I'm not dead. She said, dude, I'm not dead. I hear people want to make movies about me, but I'm not dead. So, but also that's kind of a redundant argument because they did Rocketman and Elton John yeah, still alive. Yeah. And that actually turned out pretty okay. Though I will say with the Britney story, we don't need to go near that for a while because that's still happening it's still happening <laughs> yeah. who even knows what's going on there she's the book coming out imminently apparently I think we'll maybe we'll get through that and maybe then we'll talk about movies I don't know it's just been very Britney saturation heavy and I still think she's in a bit of a precarious place in terms of her health and coming out of the conservatorship I don't think it would be a responsible thing to do but then it got me thinking who else would play her in terms of like talent and face because I never would have picked Millie Bobby Brown but when you saw kind of images side by side I kind of saw it yeah I bet you right now okay. uh, there are teams of writers uh, uh, do, you know doing up pitches for a uh because it's just too compelling a story. I, yeah, I know. And people will watch is the thing because mm-hmm. it's such a name and yeah. it is that story. But I just wish people wouldn't go write something else about someone else. Just for give it like, give it at least another year and then maybe we'll see. But it's still, it's so fresh and there's, it's, it's I don't know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be a fan of that now. To I be know, honest. it's crass. But I mean, there's a, there's a thing on Netflix about Jeffrey Dahmer. Now his victims' families are, you know, still there in the world yeah. going, oh great, people are making money and being entertained by the murder of my family yeah, member. Yeah, that's you the know. point. People won't care. If they can get eyes on it, it's, it's fodder to them, you know, so... Still, that's they'd media. Have to, they'd, that's have to, they'd have to lawyer the life out of it, though, I would imagine. Yeah, it's just uh, you know, especially because that like it's still ongoing with her dad and everything. I'm not a legal person, so I'm actually not even fully sure what <laughs> step they're at at this point. But it's very much it's not over. Like we're not at the end of hearing about this Britney conservatorship thing. So uh, Michelle Williams would be amazing as Britney. I can mm, <laughs> I can kind of see it, and she is of the caliber. I don't know if she would. Uh, Margot think, Robbie. Maybe, yeah. I, but I suppose as well, you're talking, like Millie would suit her at a young age. So then you're talking, yes, do you age her yeah. up for when she's older or do you do a House of the Dragon thing where you have a separate actor play her in an older time in her life? Do you know yeah. what I mean? What if we just wait for Bi- Millie Bobby Brown to get a bit older and then we'll do it? Well, then you have to get somebody else to do the younger. Yeah, I suppose, Brilliant. yeah. God, we thing. have it half produced yeah. already, yeah. <laughs> After your fervent plea not to go ahead with it. Do you need the enthusiasm in her voice there? Take note, Hollywood. The, uh, <laughs> we own it now as well, by the way. Uh, and Chris, now this is interesting. Chris Rock's going to do a live show on Netflix. Has Netflix never done anything yeah, live this is, before? This is actually really interesting. So it's a live streaming special. It's his second with Netflix. So he did Tambourine in 2018 and he's done, like he's appeared at their kind of comedy festivals and stuff. But this is the first ever 
global live event. So obviously with Netflix, the whole point is it's it's just there for you to watch whenever you want to watch it. We know nothing else about this uh, in terms of like content or anything else. I think we're getting it early 2023, but it's going to air globally at the same time for everyone live. So again, you're assuming then like you can't rewind and stuff as you can with normal well, probably Netflix. afterwards you probably can. Probably afterwards you'd yeah. imagine it'll be up for streaming, but it's going to be like you'll have a window to watch it live for the hour or two, whatever. And you'd imagine he's going to be talking about like Will the Smith. Will Smith incident <laughs> and because he hasn't flogged that to the authority. So we'll, yeah. It is interesting yeah. to see where Netflix are going because you can see they're desperate to claw back yeah. subscribers. Now, they kind of clawed them back with some of the big series that I'll talk about later and even Dahmer that you mentioned, they brought people back with that and Stranger Things and stuff. But they're really at a point where they're trying to throw everything at a wall to get people to come back and to start making money again because they were in... And I suppose they're kind of still on dodgy territory. In well, terms yeah, of you can. I mean, if you, th- yeah, if you think of it like the, you know, the, the kind of shows people talk about, Netflix doesn't feature in those conversations as uh, anywhere near as much as they no, used to. No, definitely not. Definitely not. They are kind of losing that hold, I think. So, but it's just interesting that the whole point of it was that it wasn't live and you could watch it back whenever you want. And now it's like, let's let's try live. Let's yeah. try live and let's because, get these you know, people back. Everyone yeah. can do that. Yeah. But the thing is, like, if it's going out li- live, presumably he's going to walk on stage at eight o'clock in Los Angeles so you know people are gonna hear or taking the day off work to go and look at it I don't that, yeah that's so, what I'm know? wondering globally is it gonna be on in the middle of the night for like who's actually who in Ireland is gonna get up for this, who's actually gonna be that interested again especially when the majority of the show is probably gonna be from whatever he's touring now and the Ego Death Tour talking about the Will Smith thing like I don't I do not care about that anymore like <laughs> tell yeah. different jokes please. I went to see him in the three arena a few years back good no. Oh, well. It was like, I was meh yeah. about the whole thing. Yeah. You know, gotta say. Yeah. And I went with an open mind just, I mean, we're not talking a sherry open mind, an actual <laughs> open mind. <laughs> Average open mind. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm, I really, you might enjoy this open mind, but no. Well, I didn't even bring a spittoon today for you, Sean. Okay. I'm making you as if you, As if you ever did. You just have to spit it at the walls. <laughs> right, spit it at the walls. Right, let's, let's, let's get on with it then. Uh, some, uh, oh, look. Judy Dench is brilliant. <laughs> Ah, yeah, she could totally pull that off. Uh, Jacinta says, I love a sherry. I started having one every now and again on a Sunday <gasps> as a toast to my mother. She used to have one while getting the dinner of a Sunday. I used to poo-poo it, as you're doing now, but I'm a convert. Yay. I have tried various uh, types and I love it. The PX ones, and just add the odd Sunday for a little sensation, as my friend's granny called it. <laughs> I don't know what that means, really. Sensation, though. Very <laughs> Sensation. Yeah. Were they, like, rubbing it into their gums oh or something? But it's superbly sweet. And it kind of, ooh, yeah. Like, I like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Was it Jacinta? Okay, yeah, it was Jacinta. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Jacinta. See? I'm weirdly uncomfortable now with this conversation. I, I'm not even sure we, we were all talking it. about. Where, where do we are go you, from here? Are you and Jacinta speaking in code to each mm. other? Mm. Mm. Right. Okay. Let's uh, tell us about the first sherry. Okay. The first sherry is the opposite of a PX. So a PX is a really sweet sherry style okay. that is unbelievably luscious and stunning. Uh, have it over ice cream. Amazing. This is the opposite. It is a very, very dry, bone dry sherry with... Uh, at your face. Yeah. Okay, so it's got this kind of very fresh, very crisp, nutty, saline, kind of green apple yeah. tartness to it. But I have the most amazing little platter of food for you, Sean. Manchego cheese, salted almonds and olives, which is what you have to have with a sherry. 
Most people cannot just drink sherry on its own. And if you're in Jerez, where it's from, deep south of Spain, you will never see someone with a glass of sherry without a little bit of tapas or food. It's just right. not the done thing. Okay. So yeah. pretend we're there. Okay. I'll pretend and, we're and there. And that's what you have to do. Yeah. Like it's such an, it is, as you were saying, you know, certain people drink sherry, but it is really for that really, really into wine, curious about different styles. Like it's fortified wine. So they've mm. added um, grape spirit to make it higher alcohol with the difference between, finally you were asking what's the difference between port and sherry. Sherry is made in a dry style, whereas and they add the alcohol spirit at the end to strengthen it, whereas port is stopped in the middle of the fermentation to create a sweet drink. Um, ah, yeah, right. I know. Ah, so this is the bone dry, and it's uh, made under a layer of floor like yeast, so it's no oxygen goes near it. So it's really, really kind of dry, and you know, it's grippy, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's it is really grippy. Oh no, it's it certainly makes its presence felt. I, I like that. it more than I thought I would, okay, which I I'm not that. sure is. Okay. That's but like that's I, great. I, I find myself going back to it. But you definitely, like you'd need food with it. You need a little snacky snack. But you're not supposed to, diff, like a Bordeaux, if you've got a really good age Bordeaux, you're not supposed to just drink that. You know, oh, you're no, supposed that's true. to have a piece of beef but or you lamb. you can. You can. <laughs> <laughs> but a little, even a simple bit of manchego is stunning with it. Yeah. Okay. Um and this uh, retails between 12 and 18 euro mm. in lots of supermarkets. You can get it in Dunn's, Nolan's, O'Brien's, Tesco, super value everywhere. Like it's Tio Pepe is the one we're having here. It's a Palomino is the grape in it and Fino is the style. And um, it's one of the most popular sherry styles and in say, the world. Um, in terms of ABV, how much stronger than a wine is it? It's 15 and a half percent. Okay, it's not that much then, no. Well, yeah. Well, you'll get you'd wines notice. that are 15. Yeah. yeah. Or you would, yeah. That's why it's a sipping. You know, Niles and, and Fraser. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, they love their Fra- Yes. Sherry Niles. You know, yes. and it's a sipping in a little glass. It's so sweet. It's a very civilised drink, you know. Unlike um, this lot here, uh, I think. Uh, uh, <laughs> even James Bond drank sherry, uh, says Paddy in uh, Cavan. Uh, a winter's tale, you can't beat that brand of sherry. You drink a bottle of it. Uh, okay, well, we don't recommend that. No, no, no. it's a sipping drink. It's a sipping drink. Yeah. Just sip it. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Stop! Right there! Who are you? And how did you get in here? This place is amazing. The air is pristine. And the water. My mother told stories about a place like this. A protected land with people that never have to leave, that never have to change who they were. What reason do you have to reveal your secret to the world? I am not a woman who enjoys repeating herself. Who are you? I have many names. My people call me Ahkukunkan. But my enemies call me Namor. Ahkukunkan. Uh, we'd like to hear from uh, women who do enjoy repeating themselves. Uh, you can send us a, a, a WhatsApp voice note to 087-1400-106. So, uh, so how did they, um, obviously because of Chadwick Boseman, Esther, how did they handle that? Yeah, that's what people will really want to know because from the outset, um, when he died, like he was only 43 when he died of cancer, it was incredibly sad. But also, how do you make a Black Panther film when your Black Panther has has passed on, you know, mm. so they were always adamant they weren't going to recast that part, uh, and that they were going to try and work it somehow into the story. So you won't be surprised to know there's a, a a theme of bereavement in this film because it opens with 
um, a very moving homage, actually, very well judged, I think, uh, to Bozeman. Uh, we see his mother, Ramonda, uh, Angela Bassett, Black Panther's mother, I mean, and uh, sister Shuri, who's played by Letitia Wright, attending his funeral. And it's followed by a montage of him in various guises of the character uh, that really works, actually, even though it's not, an, you know, not a real story element. And it, it happens early in the film. So it was kind of a risky call to make. But I think it's very well judged. And then the, the story takes up kind of a year after that, when both of these women are still really missing their, their brother and son. And again, it's it felt a bit samey to me to the first film, I have to say, because it's all about the vibranium again, uh, which if you've seen the first film, you mm. remember it's this precious element which Wakanda has reserves of and everybody else wants. Um, so we, I was talking to my friend Cara earlier and said, how much can I give away here? And basically from here on, Sean, I can just say, uh, it, this is out this weekend. Can we have more sherry, please? Okay, <laughs> You have right. to be so careful Cra- about reviews. Crack and review, <laughs> Esther. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> but basically there's an attack on a Wakandan territory that Ramonda, who's now the queen and leader of Wakanda, obviously, uh, blames the United Nations for it. So when... As you do. The US... <laughs> When a US Navy ship is later attacked, they promptly blame Wakanda uh, for the assault. And, you know, World War Three is on the verge of taking place, basically. But as you heard in that clip there uh, with that character, I'm not going to try and pronounce his name again. Uh, there is another race involved in the game and we get to meet these people. Well, there are people. I think there are people. They're a race anyway. Uh, Talokan. It's an ancient civilization which lives under the sea and is also trying to source um, vibranium. And their leader okay. is a little bit blue looking, not full avatar blue, but a tint of blue to him. But he has winged feet, which are really cool, actually. Um, right. And he kind of, we first meet And are they relations to, you know, your man who like lives under the sea with the, the trident? That uh, no. Aquaman, well, yeah. You know what? Countries. They'll probably yeah. be yeah. They'll be probably popping up in each other's films down the line. But um, well, as, they're neighbours, probably cousins. <laughs> they could be. Uh, um, and then the other element for me, which is interesting, is you got this genius young student who has managed to create a hack where she's built a machine that can source the precious element. So suddenly, the CIA lads, the lads under the sea, and the Wakandans are all looking for her because she knows. She has the machinery to trace the vibra- vibranium. I mean, the nonsense that's coming out of my mouth right now. Uh, it's mad stuff. It's, it's you know, for fans, they will love it. Uh, it To me, it felt very samey to what was going on in the first film. And I think this leans into the problem I'm having with Marvel at the moment, because I think... What they're, you know, first of all, the good stuff, like they're working with the best independent filmmakers in the world. Ryan Coogler is a filmmaker I love. The two Creed movies for me were fantastic. I was so emotionally invested in them by the time. And, and when they, they dared to use a, a little bit of the Rocky music at that final scene, I mean, it, it just made the hairs in the back of my neck stand up. Um, Chloe Zaha as well, a really good and interesting indie choice to make Eternals. And of course, Taco Waititi bringing the laughs uh, to Thor. So they're making great films. But I think what I'm fi- I'm starting to feel is like they're wildly different designs of the same shtick. 
um, and the production design can hide a certain amount of that. But you've got the same scenario kind of over and over again. And you know someone's going to clench their fist about an hour in and say this means war. Um, <laughs> and it's just starting to feel a little bit, a little bit uh, samey, you know, and bamboozling me as a casual viewer. Like I, I've seen all the films, obviously, but I would still call myself a casual viewer in that I would be going, who's your man now? And why was he in the other film again? You know, like mm. a lot of people, I think. Um, and and it's too much referential detail going on, I think. And and you're hiring these great filmmakers. Let them be great filmmakers. Um, Ryan Coogler has a proven track record. Like he made a great, he broke through with a great film called um, Fruitvale Station about eight years ago. And it's super if you haven't seen it. Um, and I just feel like the films are samey, overstuffed. And ultimately, when you get into the special effects charged stuff towards the end of the film, and this film's two hours, 40 minutes long. Oh, yep. Ultimately, I think it feels a little bit empty. And I think it's a shame um, because I can cite many Marvel films. I loved the first Captain America. Oh, my God. I loved it so much. Yeah, Linda was on board there until you said the two hours, 40 yeah, well, Linda, yeah. What would have been what would have been sellable to you? Well, but that type of movie, they usually go on for an extra yeah. half hour than they need to, which is two hours at the max for me. But two forty, I'm gone, not a chance. That means actually the fight scene at the end probably is the forty minute bit, and so that there's two hours of this. But I, I'd like oh. with a lot of those movies, I feel if I watched something like it, I've seen it, and if I turned on the the sequel, I feel is this not the same movie mm. again? They they all kind of merge into one for me. I'm not a huge Marvel or superhero. Yeah. Anyway, Susan Kilkenny says, uh, correct me, uh, uh, um, Aquaman is DC, not Marvel. Have you learned nothing, she says. (laughs) And she's right. I have learned nothing. (laughs) Does this, uh, Esther, does this film set us up for, you know, Wakanda literally forever? Wakanda without end. Yeah. And I mean, on the running time, I think like Ridley Scott got Matt Damon back from Mars in five minutes longer. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it is. It's a long running. Now, I, I, I think it's lazy of me to just criticise something for its running time, though. It's the pacing within that running time, which is what matters. And I found the first hour quite dour. I know they were trying to be respectful to Chadwick Boseman, and I would be wholeheartedly behind that. But it was very just heavy. And by the time the kind of the cool Wakandan women army start to kick in and do their thing and have a bit of fun with that, like they did in the first film, it just I was already a little bit lost to it, to be honest with you. Um, and I just found a scenario, you know, you're introducing new characters, sure, and a whole new people. But I found a scenario very similar to the first film. I'm sure um, Marvel and Disney will be weeping into the gazillion dollars in yeah, filmmakers this weekend will. about yeah. my opinion. But I do feel like it's time to steer the course a little. I do think the Marvel movies are lost a little to wider fan uh, bases at this point. And I think it could be pulled back pretty easily. Yeah, you know, like there used to be, an, it was an old saw that like the, the philosophy of a local newspaper was to uh, at least once mention every single reader of that paper. Uh, uh, the Marvel Universe is starting to sound like they have to mention at least once every single person who lives in the Marvel Universe to satisfy who I don't know. It's, it's just self-referential bizarre. stuff, isn't it? It's kind yeah. of like it's just getting a little tiresome to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Texter says everything Marvel has made in the last four to five years has been absolute hot garbage I've been a fan since the start and they've all totally lost me uh, I don't imagine the new Black Panther will be any better uh, John, a few texts on Sherry now uh, um, John says I got drunk on two bottles of Sherry at the school <laughs> disco in the 80s 
sick fit for three days. Oh. Can't even smell it now without feeling sick. I also got suspended for two weeks. So he had some recovery time. That was very considerate of the he school. He obviously didn't have food with a chill yeah. on. <laughs> uh, uh, Russell in Drogheda. Uh, I, rem- I imagine that's uh, Russell Gastro. Uh, might have sent that in. Uh, pour a little glass of sherry over a Basque cheesecake. How they do it in San Sebastian and it's really sensational. You see, like, okay, it can't be just you. You know, you just need the experience with the little sip of sherry and the gastronomy masterpiece like Jacinta, my one and only true fan here of yeah. Russell's with you as well he's and just on the cheesecake Russell likes train. it there but like San yeah. Sebastian is more hasn't that more Michelin star yeah. restaurants than any other place on earth yeah but you see but. like the simple little little tapas with fried fish and things like that anchovies yeah. all of that like we we had a little because it's sherry week it isn't the huge consumer draw in for, for sherry is not it not? Like, no, no really? unfortunately okay. not um, but a few of us wine lovers went and met in um, Heart of Spain of Taste of Spain um, on Camden Street Leslie Williams uh, Lynn Coyle John Wilson and a few others met and we had brought our own bottles of sherry and we shared with loads of little nibbles and they were like this is just heaven on earth yeah. so I mean you just get into it and you'd totally be a total sophisticate if you're into sherry like uh, Dave says I heard the phrase Sherry Nile so often in Fraser <laughs> that I eventually tried it and I loved it uh, says Dave uh, Neve says uh, why not make a rebujito uh, with tea or pepe and white lemonade one-to-one, tons of ice, fab in the summer, yep. uh, says Neve. That's my vibe. Uh, Noel yep. wants to know, what colour is your sherry? I got a white sherry from my brother once, very dry, and it was gorgeous, but I haven't been able to find it in Ireland. That sounds like what we just so, tried Yeah, then. so this is like completely pale. Uh, the, the Fino uh, is a style and Manzanilla. They're the much lighter, fresh, youthful styles that are not supposed to last. You're supposed to open them up and drink them. A lot of them come in half bottles for that reason because, you know, you wouldn't, you don't leave it from one Christmas to the next, let's put it that way. Mm. And, um, you know... This is the style that you, introduction to it. If you like unami, kind of savoury, kind of mushroomy, yeah. that kind of flavours, this is where you go. Now, I'm not the biggest fan, but I think you can totally get into it. And the likes of Uno Mas, the porthouse, places like that, you go and you have your little tapas, your little appetisers and try a little glass. Yeah. Now, I see just uh, um, as I'm speaking there, Joe Biden uh, is is addressing a uh, uh, cop. Uh, whenever number cop this is anyway about climate change. God, the skin is pulled so tight around his face he can barely see out of his eyes. Uh, um, so uh, I, I, God knows what he's saying. You couldn't lip read that anymore because he can barely uh, move his lips either. Anyway, but on the subject of climate change, uh, that was my that was my awkward segue there. Yeah, what, what's Rain Wilson done, and is it uh, is it any more significant than anything Joe Biden's done? I thought that was a pretty good uh, segue. Yeah. So people know Rain Wilson best from The Office. He plays Dwight, um, and a lot of people were covering this week that he's changed his name to tie in with COP27 in Egypt this week so his uh, his good Christian name is Rain Percival Dietrich Wilson but this week wow. he's changed his yeah that was enough of a mouthful as it was he's changed his name this week to Rainfall Heatwave Extreme Winter Wilson um, to you know raise awareness around the fact that like the Arctic is melting and everything like that and because people were covering this being like he changed his name and he said you know look this is not a joke but he's it's not on his passport like he isn't legally changed it he's just doing it ah, right. it's to highlight this uh, Arctic risk name generator because he's a board member of Arctic Base Camp and again it's just to like highlight the fact that we're 
in shite essentially with climate and nobody is paying any attention okay. but that's, right. that's the phrase the climate scientists use yeah. in, in shite yeah, there's, a little, there's a little we were on a scale we were on a scale where it was like maybe salvageable and now we're at the very end where we are just in shite and yeah, yeah I mean I, when that's I what got, Joe Biden just said yeah. I can tell from the way he moved us out yeah. there <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I mean like have it on your passport or I don't care you know what I mean like it's, I just don't it's a good publicity to somebody but it'd be better if he'd actually change his yeah that's that. the thing because like everyone has talked about it but I don't know what happens next other than you go on a website and you get your own funny name about the fact that we are all doomed and none of our children are going to live to see the light of day to be honest that's cheery isn't it that is cheery that's better than the reboots that you should talk about Uh, but to cheer you up Disney Plus is losing cash hand over fist woohoo oh my god which is surprising because I would have thought they'd be on the up given they own so many of the bloody Marvel things and everything that, yeah that... they are growing still really fast and when you consider okay so in the States they have ESPN Plus which is the streaming platform for the sports as they call them and Hulu which is star for us over here so like the Disney Plus section that's kind of you know more, more like adult series and not like cartoons and stuff like that so they've lost this quarter 1.5 billion dollars which is more wow. than double than the same period last quarter and as you said they have all these huge fan franchises that we've mentioned Star Wars Marvel and because of that they've added subscribers so I think they added like over 12 million subscribers this quarter again so in total they have something like 235 million subscribers globally but now they're kind of looking at their pricing which I've talked about before they're pulling a Netflix and they're going to bring in kind of a cheaper rate uh, but you'll have ads with them the same way the Netflix are doing no word on when we're getting it over here I think it starts in December in the States so I'd imagine early next year uh, for us and then I suppose by comparison we talked about Netflix earlier they lost a heap of subscribers I think earlier this year but they ended up adding them back from the July to September period they added back like 2.4 million households because of Dammer that we mentioned, Stranger Things, um, and they basically said they kind of think they're on the path to kind of re-accelerate growth. And they're also just after bringing in the ad tier, which I'm 99% sure we don't have here, but we are getting next year, which basically oh, means we? you'll oh, pay a God. little bit cheaper. You, and this is a thing you opt in for. It's not like automatic. You pay a little bit cheaper. Again, I'm not sure what the pricing will be. Um, and you just have to put up with ads, essentially. So... But if it's the same ad over and over again, then you'll be gone. We talked about this, and then yeah. if you're getting like specifically geo-targeted ads, yeah, like I mean, I I don't think I I don't think I could see myself being drawn to an ad tier. Like I'm happy enough with it's still kind of a competitive enough price for me at whatever it is, eight nine euro. You can skip through the ads, so can you? I don't no, think no, so. No, no, I don't think you oh, can. God. That's, That's the thing. No. It's like on a lot of the, and like on all four, you have to sit through the ads. Yeah, or the, or the Virgin Media one, you have to sit through the ads. Uh, John uh, says. I don't know if you're really selling it for me anyway, John. Uh, a nice dry sherry mixed with maple syrup over fresh whole sardines and under the grill. Oh my God, that sounds hideous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Sean's not sold Right, that. okay. There's a hangover cure for you. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Let's move on to our second uh, movie. It is The Menu. Here's a clip. To our male diners, we now offer you the chance to escape. You'll be given a 45-second head start, at which point members of my staff will try and catch you. If they do catch... Okay. 45 seconds starts now. Hold it. What? Sorry. Come on, you know I'm awful wonderful critic. I'll send for help first thing. 
Right, uh, there you go. That sounds uh, not like a restaurant I want to go to. Uh, uh, so uh, what's kind of like the premise of why have these diners gone to this island particularly? So it's, it's this, it, Ray finds it's this, um, he's a monocular, a monocular gastromonic. Oh, I knew I'd struggle with it. He uses chemicals when he, in his cooking, right? Right, okay, and gotcha. He yeah. is um, having a blast as this chef. He's uh, uh, you know, famed and revered in uh, culinary circles. His name is Julian. And he decides that he's going to invite um, this motley crew of people to his uh, restaurant, his island restaurant, crucially only reached by the boat that's run by the restaurant itself um, for a very special meal in which people don't quite realise until they're already seated that they're more, maybe more than they expected on the menu. Uh, so it's a kind of comedy horror. It's directed, interestingly, by Mark Mylod. Uh, he has quite a stor- storytelling pedigree, Sean, because he previously brought us Game of Thrones and Shameless, but he'd be best known recently for Succession. And as well as directing right, Succession, okay. he's very much involved in it. He's an exec producer as well and a creator of it. So you're getting that kind of pitch black humour. Um, and I did really enjoy this, I have to say. It's a horror comedy. Ultimately... It's like going to one of these fancy places It's in itself. It was a little insubstantial. I watched it and enjoyed the little bombs of foam in the horror storytelling. But ultimately, when I left it, I wanted a bag of chips on the way home, I would say. Uh, so a, <laughs> You are really a... flogging this metaphor today, aren't you? <laughs> Um, sizzles and crackles and places but I'll stop now Um, yeah I did enjoy this it's Anya Anya Taylor-Joy from the Queen's Gambit of course uh, British actor actor Nicholas Holt who's a complete rat and such a food snob when your man does that when Ray finds us an outrageous thing at one stage this guy breaks down in tears at the glorious culinary beauty of it all Uh, so it's a real it's a horror straight up it's a comedy if you choose to view it in that way and it works very well as well I think as a satire on the pretentiousness of the elite dining experience but all of the people in it are horrible and I enjoyed it for that Uh, every you know terrible stuff happens to them and it's vastly entertaining to watch it all unfold Um, including a food critic by name played by uh, Janet McAteer who's uh, Julian's greatest fan and can't believe what he's about to unleash on her uh, so you know without being too spoilery I think it's pretty obvious from the get go that he and his kitchen staff have a very devious plan in mind uh, so I, I did enjoy this and I think I'd like to see more filmmaking from Mark Mylod. Uh, if I think this might be his first major feature film after doing loads of telly uh, more please I did enjoy ultimately the horror element didn't work for me because I think it needs to be grounded in reality for horror to really frighten me uh whereas this is just a little bit too fantastical but i did find it very entertaining i have to say okay fair enough but i mean like anything else i suppose it uh, involves a certain amount of suspension of disbelief then yes completely completely and sure anya taylor joy like she's queen of horror as far as i'm concerned ever since i saw her in the witch and she still works in that genre, which is great to see, despite all her, her other success. And I just think she's great in this again. And she is the one that grounds in it, I think, to the best extent. Yeah. So uh, the, actually, both of them, I didn't ask you, the, the um, Black Panther, I assume, is in cinemas. In cinemas from today. And this one, nobody's opening against Black Panther this week. So the menu opens next week, along with heaps of other films, actually. Loads of new movies opening next weekend. Right. And opening in the genuine sense, not like opening for five minutes and then going straight on to Netflix. 
<laughs> There's been a lot of that, actually. That's because of uh, award season and people wanting their filmmakers, I think, also wanting their films to have even, even a little window in cinemas. Uh, so you'll get a lot of that at this time of the year, right through to January. But uh, this, yeah, no, the menu is a proper cinema release, as is Black Panther, and will only be in theatrical for the foreseeable. So. OK, good stuff. Uh, very briefly, Linda, will you name the two, um, uh, the, the two sherries again today? Because people have been asking for that. Tio Pepe Fino. Yeah. And Fernando de Castilla, Amontillado. Right, okay. Beautiful. Beautiful <laughs> enunciation. I don't know whether it is or not, but it sounds kind it of... Sounded the sounded part, good didn't it sounded Now, like, the, like, three stories we'll just whiz through very... Because, uh, you know, we were talking about that Disney Plus isn't making a, a, a profit. Uh, things ain't going so good for Netflix. This is why... There's going to be an Indiana Jones TV series. Yep, coming to Disney Plus. Uh, they're actually looking at it. There's no writer attached or anything like that, so we know nothing about plots. We don't know if it's like going to be prequel, separate, if it's going to be attached to this upcoming final movie that Harrison Ford is in and Phoebe Waller-Bridge. But again, it goes back to that point of the streaming giants are kind of, I don't want to say floundering because they're not, but they are looking at other ways to continue to make money and it seems to be like it's franchises. They're wanting to keep these kind of household Same names thing. going so they can keep making money. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. So And there might be... A- another Harry Potter type thing as well. Yeah, the your man who's in charge of Warner Brothers and that merger with Discovery now have said they're open basically to doing something with J.K. Rowling again, which is obviously very contentious given her views on trans people and everything like that. But it's basically a response to the fact that, you know, Fantastic Beasts it hasn't really done what it's needed to do. Like the box office reception has been very middling, but Harry Potter is still a huge moneymaker even when you look at the real life experiences and the theme park and stuff. So no, there's been no official conversations, but like I wouldn't be surprised if we we're having another conversation in a year where something has been greenlit to be honest yeah and there's more Star Wars stuff but who cares yeah uh, uh, thanks to Fanula <laughs> Esther and Linda Movies and Booze I'm Moncrief on News Talk